Welcome to FOP Church Message of the Week. We pray you are challenged by the Word. For more information, please visit www.fhop.church. Today I'm going to be talking about heaven, and part of that is because um, one Sunday we were at my house and I was talking about Ephesians, and uh, my daughters kind of disappeared, and, and they said, we just didn't understand anything you were saying. So kids, I've kind of shifted the way my message is today to kind of help you guys understand um, a little bit of what's going on. So Micah Rose, hopefully you'll understand some of what's happening and I'm talking about today, I'm not just going to try to talk over your head, but today I'm going to talk about heaven, and I don't think I've ever preached a sermon about heaven, um, and that's because, and rightly so, um, some, some people can be so focused on heaven that they forget that they're supposed to be doing ministry here and now, uh, but the reality is heaven is a real place, um, heaven, it's... Um, it's not something that we can just daydream about and think, oh, it might be true. And there is those out there who have theologies that, well, hell isn't really real and heaven isn't really real. Um, you know, they're just these ideas and concepts. But as Christians, we're just supposed, these are Christian people, not just atheists, but Christian people who believe heaven and hell aren't real. They're just concepts to help us live good lives now. And that's not true. Heaven is real. Say heaven is real. Say it again. Say heaven is real. And so one of my favorite stories is the story of Nicodemus. And Nicodemus was this teacher of the law. He was a, basically a Bible teacher back in the days of Jesus. And he was really curious about heaven. And he went to Jesus. He snuck to Jesus in the middle of the night to ask him about heaven. And we see this in John chapter 3. He sneaks to Jesus in the middle of the night. Uh, it says in chapter 3, verse 2, it says, um, this Nicodemus came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And can I tell you, the kingdom of God sometimes is another term we use for heaven. Now, what we found out as you study scripture, some people think the kingdom of heaven should just, or the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven should just stay in heaven. But that's not what Jesus taught. He taught that heaven can come down to earth. That was the way he communicated. He said, it's not just about after you die, someday you'll get to see heaven, but heaven can be on earth and you could enter the kingdom of God even right now. You don't have to wait for that day. Now, I'll tell you, today we're mostly focused on actual, the actual heaven, but, but he's saying, how can I enter the kingdom of heaven? And he says, it's not unless you're born again. Now, how many of you remember being born? Any memories? Any recollections? Mike Rose, remember that day? No? You don't remember being born? I remember, I remember some of you being born. A few, a few of you, well, you know, around here. Um, not all of you. Some of you remember me being born. And here's, here's his answer. Nicodemus says, 
How can a man be born when he is old? Can you imagine me here at, uh, I, I always say I'm pushing 40. Um, can you imagine me um, trying to get born all over again? That's a strange thought. That's a strange, and that's what Nicodemus said. If you read the story, Nicodemus is like, wait, wait, wait. How can I be born a second time? Do I go back into my mom's womb? Do I go back into my mom's belly again to be born a second time? That's a really not a good picture to have in your head. And Jesus says, yeah, mom's like, listen. Truly I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God or, or heaven. It says that which is born of the flesh is of the flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel or do not be freaked out basically that i said you must be born again and he talks about the wind blows where it wishes and and you hear it sound but you don't know where it comes from or where it is going so it is with everyone who is born of the spirit what he's saying here is to be born a second time is something that you maybe can't really see but it's a reality that can happen inside of you nicodemus said to the, him how can these things be and jesus He's kind of amazed. He says, are you a teacher of Israel and you don't understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we've seen, but uh, you do not receive our testimony. And he goes down to talk about this. And in verse 14, he says, talks about how Moses lifted up his servant unless the son of man is lifted up. Um, He's talking about there's no salvation unless the Son of Man is lifted up. This is Jesus being lifted up. And he's talking about the cross here. And he says, whoever believes in Jesus will have eternal life. Say eternal life. Now this is another way to describe heaven. It's life that is eternal. Does anyone know what the word eternal means? Have you ever had to take a test? And you kept taking the test and it felt like it would never end. Like it went on forever and ever, and ever, and ever, and it felt eternal. Can I tell you, it was not eternal because eventually it did end. But eternal life is like, is like that eternity that will never end. And I love the way Francis Chan put it, and I should have brought this as an illustration today, but Francis Chan has this great illustration that he does where he takes this little tiny piece of rope about this long, and it's attached to the rest of the rope he colors that little piece red and he's attached this other rope that he drapes around the whole room several times and he said can you imagine that this little red piece right here that that's that's our life right that's our 70 80 90 years here on the earth and eternity would be like the rest of the rope and then some forever never ending never ending it's eternal and this is where we get this next verse that we also know much. It says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. So how can you have eternal life? Through believing in Jesus. Not through, like we talked about last week, not through um, beating people up with the purity stick, right? But through believing in Jesus is how we have eternal life. So what is heaven like? What does heaven look like? We're going to flip back. We flip back to Revelations. Can I tell you something? 
How many have ever seen one of those cartoons where it shows heaven? And what do you see? Clouds, angels, harps. You've seen those cartoons, and that's heaven. Uh, that's not the way the Bible describes heaven. Go back to Revelation 22. This is one of the, uh, or, yeah, 22. This is one of the last, well, this is the last chapter of the entire Bible. And in it is this description. And it says this about heaven. It says, the angel showed me the river of water of life. Now, how many, now that things are warming up, you wish you were on the water, right? Uh, kayaking down the river. But it said this water was bright as crystal. I want you to imagine this in your head. Water bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb of God to the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month, which is strange because that's not what we see on earth, right? We only bear fruit when it's the season for it. The leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him. So what we see here is in heaven is we'll be worshiping him they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads and how many know like like i i I asked my dad this i said dad what is if you had to tell me one thing what is the what is the greatest thing that you could tell me about heaven what is the most important thing you could tell me about heaven and he said this God is there. God is there. Like, isn't that the most important thing about heaven is that God is there. And I have had, I, I, I mean, I, I want to see Jesus, but I've had those moments where I've really wanted to see the face of God. You've ever been in one of those moments where you just longed to see his face, like your heart hungered for it, you craved it, you needed it. And here it says that we will see his face. And it says, and night will be no more. They will need no light of the lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. And I want to go on. It said this, and he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirit of the prophets has sent his angels to show the servant what, may, what must take place soon. And behold, this is Jesus talking, I'm coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of this prophecy of this book. And so I just want to say, like every time you look up what heaven is like in another place, it tells us that heaven is, is, has streets of gold. And all these types of symbolism and, and things that we see in Scripture are telling us of a heaven that isn't a bunch of angels with harps sitting around on clouds, but it's this place that what Scripture describes as a new heaven and a new earth as we'll see in a minute where, where heaven actually comes down on top of earth and they become one thing. It's a real place. Say it's real. Say it's real. 
uh, remember when we were talking about the Faith Hall of Fame, where we did that sermon series on faith. And it said all of these men and women of God, that they, they, they served the Lord and they did things even though they couldn't see what was yet to come. They served the Lord even though they didn't see the end result. Think about Abraham who was promised to be the father of many nations and he never saw that happen in his lifetime. And it goes on and on about all these men and women of God who, who had to look, as we saw from afar, and I'll just read it to you in Hebrews chapter 11, it says that these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar. And my question for you this morning is, how far into the future are you looking? Can you look and see heaven? Is it a reality for you? Do you live your life by heaven as the greatest reality in your life, as the kingdom of God, as the greatest reality in your life? And having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth, how many know that this earth is not our home? Let me tell you something shocking. Jacob, you're an alien. You're an alien. An alien is someone whose this earth is not their home, correct? And can I tell you that we are an alien and, and while heaven after we die is a real place, the moment we say yes to Jesus, we can begin to enter that realm, that heavenly realm now, which means the moment we say yes to Jesus, we become aliens on this earth. And the way we think, the way we talk is really different. Like we talked about last week, it's different than the rest of the world and their logic and their way of thinking. Why? Because we're aliens. Are you an alien? Sometimes we're good about acting like the aliens we're supposed to be. Other times, we, we try to live like we're here. But we're aliens. Say, I'm an alien. Say, heaven is my home. It says, for people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland if they had been thinking of the land which they had gone out from or, or this earth, they would have desired, excuse me, um, they would have had a better opportunity to return. But as it is, they desired a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. He has prepared for them a city. Say a city. So a heaven isn't a bunch of clouds and harps. Heaven's a city. Heaven's a city with a throne in the middle with crystal clear waters flowing from its throne go with me over to um, let's go to john chapter 14 is everybody awake this morning how are all the aliens doing and john chapter 14 Verse 1, and, and it's a lot to read, so, so try your best to listen up. It says this, it says, let your hearts, let not your hearts, excuse me, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. Well, I would, I would say so because heaven is a city, right? There's many, many Many, many, many rooms. He said, if I were not so, I would have told you. 
And this is what Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may also be. And you know that the, excuse me, and you know the way to where I'm going. He's saying, you know the way to heaven. You know the way, the place, you know how to get to your room. And, but Thomas we call him Doubting Thomas. I just call him Honest Thomas. Right? He was asking all the same questions everybody was at. We're, we're at benefit because Thomas decided to speak up. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And this is what Jesus said to him. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And, and I want to say, I say this all the time, all the time. That the way to the Father is not through F-hop. Like, like, it's through Jesus. And you have to be in this Word yourself. It's through Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And Jamie, she's really big on this. I think she says it to her teenagers almost every Wednesday that if this is the only thing you're getting in your spiritual walk is what comes from this pulpit then then that's not enough Jesus is the way Jesus is the truth Jesus is the life Jesus is how you are born again he says if you had known me you would have excuse me if you had known me you would have known my father also from now on you do know him and have seen him and of course Philip he's like Wait, when did we see God? I don't remember seeing God, right? When did I see God? Philip asks. Show us the Father and it is enough for us. And Jesus said to him, oh, I think what John left out was the sigh Jesus took right here. And then Jesus sighed a deep sigh and said, how have I been with you so long? And you still do not know me, Philip. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does His works. Believe me, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or else, believe on the account of the works themselves. And then this is what Jesus says. Skip down to verse 18. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Ladies and gentlemen, this is, this is an important part of this. Jesus said, I'm preparing a place for you and I will go, but I am not going to leave you alone as an orphan. I will return to you. Why? Because heaven is a real place. And as we're as we're looking through um, what the Word says about heaven. Um, how many know, you guys remember Mary and Martha? Remember Mary and Martha? Martha was so busy. Like Jesus, what the story is, is Jesus came and visited the house of Mary and Martha. 
And Martha was so busy cooking and cleaning and taking care of everybody. And Mary, she just went into where Jesus was and sat down at his feet. Right? She just sat down at his feet and just listened to him. Listened to his stories. Listened to what he had to say. And Martha didn't like it. Because she was busy working. And she wanted her sister to come help. How many ever wanted your sister to come help? I've, I've seen that. Hey, you wanted your sister to come help? Yeah. Why, why, isn't, why isn't she helping? She's just sitting there with Jesus. And Jesus says to Martha, you know, you're, you're worried. You're worried about lots of stuff, Martha. But, but one thing is needed. And Mary, she's chosen the better thing. She's chosen the better thing. To sit with Jesus. To be in the presence of Jesus. And that's the thing. I think, and, and, and Dad and I were talking, like, even, even the most, like, free one of us here, who really is walking with the Lord, we still have this little bit in us that feels like we have to work to earn Jesus' approval. Right? Not remembering that that the scripture tells us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Like before you'd done one thing good, Christ died for you. He gave his entire life. And yet we still in us have this little bit like, man, I've got to work. I've got to work. And what it tells us in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 10, you can just write it down. It says, it tells us, for whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. And if you go back and look what this is saying, it's actually talking about creation. And what did God do on the seventh day? He rested from his works. And in heaven, this idea that you have to work to be good enough will be completely gone. I don't think some of you got that. Because some of you, you have this cloud. Because in heaven, there's no more sin. There's no more shame, right? Here's the, here's the reality. All the work that you feel like you have to do to earn other people's approval, to earn God's approval, to earn, you get to rest from that work. Like it'll truly be revealed that we can rest. I, I mean, I feel like some of you should just take a deep sigh of relief. Or like, like, if we could all just go, <sighs> like, like, have you ever, like, been working so hard and you finally got finished? And you're like, okay, it's done. I can rest from this. And what do you do? You're like, <sighs> and, like, the anxiety of it's over. The worry of it's over. The, the, the part of your mind that was locked up. Like, you just get to, <sighs> all the striving is over. And that's heaven. Heaven is resting from all of your works. All the things you felt like you needed to do, it's just... (sighs) And you enter His rest. It's an eternal Sabbath rest in the presence of the Lord. In Hebrews, it also tells us that 
the reason that we're worried about all this is because of the fear of death. And I, I, I remember I went through a season of my life um, where uh, when I was in my early 20s where I just for some reason got really scared of death. And it says here that in Hebrews chapter 2, it, it tells us that, um, well, I'll just read it to you. It says, since therefore children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise put, partook in the same things. It's talking about, listen, Jesus, or God, put on flesh and blood. He wanted us to know, look, he already knew what it was like to be a human because he's God and he knows everything. But he wanted to prove to us that he knew. So it says here in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14, is that he put on flesh and blood that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Listen, the fear of death leads you to lifelong slavery. Whether you're willing to admit it or not, the fact that there's a death in your future means bondage for you. It means slavery, slavery for you. But once we get to heaven, that bondage is gone. That fear is gone. Like, is this not a th- like? Talk about another sigh of relief. <sighs> I have eternal life. And then it goes on to say this about Jesus. I think this is important to look at. It says, therefore, he had ma- Jesus was made to be like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. It tells us in Scripture that Jesus was tempted in every way we were, right? And yet, He lived through it. He put on flesh and blood. God became a man so that he could be tempted, so that he could sympathize with us when we're tempted. Not just to condemn us. In fact, that's what we saw back in in John chapter 3. He didn't just come to condemn the world, but he came to save the world. He came to have compassion on the world. Flip with me to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And I want you to listen to this because this is another verse. It's, it's a longer passage than we read, but this tells us about heaven and the kingdom of God. It says this in verse 50 of chapter 15. The first Corinthians says, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, actually that's, uh, behold, it's an exclamation point. I tell you a mystery. Everyone say mystery. We shall not all sleep. And that that means die, pass away. Not everyone's going to sleep. But we shall all be changed. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead 
will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? Or, or death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast immovable always abounding in work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Death has no victory. Death has no victory because, listen, there's something that's on the other side of death for those who have trusted in the Lord. The Scripture tells us that the wages of our sin, the payment for our sin is this death, but because we've trusted in the Lord, we have eternal life. And this eternal life means death, is just a blip on the radar compared to eternity. Where is your sting? And in 1 Thessalonians, I'll just read it to you, chapter 4, 13, it says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as those who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so... Through Jesus, God will bring him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of a trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. That we will be with the Lord. And it goes back to what I was saying at the beginning, that the greatest thing about heaven is that we will be with God. God is there. God is there. Say, God is there. And what's crazy is in, when Jesus taught us to pray, this is what he said. He said, Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. That's the way it starts. The prayer starts with focusing on heaven. That we have a Father who is in heaven. That heaven is a reality. It's a real place. But what I love is later on in the prayer, what does he tell, tell us to pray about heaven? He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So not only is heaven a real place where God is, and I know he's everywhere. I know he's everywhere, but he's really, really there, right? He's really, really present there. And we're praying for heaven to come down to earth that as believers, we can walk in heaven now. And can I tell you someday, this is exactly what's going to happen, is that there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. And for the sake of time, I'll I'll just give you the scriptures. You can go read them later. But in Isaiah 65 and in Revelation 21, it tells us both that there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth and that heaven and earth will become one. Not, not, just, not just an idea in theory. And you're like, in my mind, I think of it like this. What does heaven look like? 
I mean, just walk outside this afternoon and look at the most beautiful place you can see. Imagine heaven coming to that place. Heaven will come to earth. Heaven will come to earth. So how do we respond to this? Well, Jesus, he, he said this after he taught his disciples to pray in Matthew chapter 6, to pray, Father in heaven, and let heaven come to earth. After this became a reality to them, this is what he said. He said, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy. How many have ever had something special to you get ruined? Yeah, it stinks. Sometimes it's heartbreaking. I, I remember um, I remember one time, uh, I think it was the cake topper from my mom's wedding. And it was out in the storage building. And the dog got a hold of it and chewed it up. And she was heartbroken, right? And we, we, we are heartbroken about things. Things have meaning. Things have sentimental value. I'm not making a lot of that. Our heart gets attached to things. But it says here to not lay up for ourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where the thieves steal or break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And, and friends, can I tell you, that's one of the reasons why I, I've been so adamant that, that this building right here isn't the most important thing about what FHOP is. Because this is just a building. And I've been so proud of this congregation during during this quarantine of the way that people have reached out to each other and connected to each other, proving that this, these connections are more important than this place. But, but all of us, each one of us, having a heart check, saying, okay, what is it that I'm hanging on to so hard here that's inhibiting me from living eternally? That's l- keeping me from having an eternal mindset. What is it? What is it that I think I have to I have to have? Or I have to or I have to like have a certain way. It might not even be a, a tangible thing. Right? What system do we have to put in place or think that oh it has to be this way? And God say, no, just like this isn't the realest thing. What you see around you isn't the realest thing. Heaven is the realest thing. We all know this is true. We all know this is true. But we don't always live like it's true, right? And so, here's my challenge for us before we leave today. is For all of us, take a second. Let's just close our eyes for a moment. And let's reflect for just a second. On heaven. The reality is that Jesus Christ, He came, He died after living a sinless, perfect life and rose from the dead, one, to prove that heaven was a real place, that resurrection was a real thing. And you need to know, even in the early church, they started debating whether or not rising from the dead for other believers was a real thing or not. And Paul made it very clear. It's like, no, this is a real thing. You will rise again to be with him in heaven.
what in my life has to change so that I can begin living heaven on earth now? Just take a moment and just reflect on that. Jesus, we thank you so much for your word. We know your word is truth and it's life. God, we thank you for the reality of heaven. And God, I pray as a congregation, God, Lord, from the youngest in here today, every child, Lord God, every adult in this room, God, that you'd give us a vision of heaven. And God, that we begin to walk in that reality now. That heaven wouldn't just be something that happens someday later, but God, that heaven be a reality in our hearts now. And God, we do look forward. Lord, we look forward to the day where we can see your face. You'll be truly known by us and we'll be truly known by you. We look forward to the day where there's no suffering and no more pain and that you wipe away every tears from our eyes. We look forward to that day. God, I just pray we'd be people who, who walk in that reality now. Show us your face, Lord. And God, I pray the prayer of John the Revelator. Lord, we look forward to your coming. And we pray that you'll come quickly, Lord Jesus. You will come quickly. That you return to the earth. Bring heaven down. And until then, Lord, let us walk of people that are steadfast, immovable and always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord our labor is not in vain. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, including service times, contact information, and online giving, please visit www.fhop.church.